Hi, and welcome back to the European VC, the go-to podcast for everything European VC. If you love our show, share it with your friends and join us in the EU VC community syndicates at theeuropeanvc.com. Today, we're happy to welcome Audrey, general partner at Ventec in its Paris office. The firm is deeply implicated in the evolution and diversity of European tech. Audrey focuses on product-led growth, retail tech, HR tech, and marketplaces. She has unique insights on entrepreneurs' business development, impact investing, and women in tech. She has joined the company since 2011, starting as an analyst and grew all the way through to general partner. If you enjoy our content, do support us by hitting the follow button, giving it a review, and following us on LinkedIn. Want to be on top of who the best up-and-coming emerging VCs in Europe are and maybe even invest with them? Register for our newsletter at theemergingvc.substack.com and be the first to get in the know. Audrey, welcome to the show. It's great having you here today on the European VC. How's everything? Everything is great. Thank you for inviting me. It's definitely our pleasure, Audrey. And, you know, we always start the same way, so let's get into it. How the hell did you get into this wonderful world of venture? Tell us your story. So I started working in the VC industry 12 years ago, and it's been 12 years that I'm actually working for the same firm, which is Ventec. So I started my studies uh, in the financial market back in 2004. I made my uh, an internship, I remember, in 2008, and the last week of the internship was about um, watching Lehman Brothers collapse. So I was like, okay, maybe let's find another way of starting my professional life than starting like that. that so awesome. I decided, <laughs> exactly, I thought about doing something else, and I started an, uh, other studies uh, at business schools. That's where I, uh, I discovered about private equity and more specifically about venture capital. I remember about a specific course uh, at business school where my teacher was a VC, actually, and he was coming with his entrepreneurs, uh, the entrepreneurs he was backing, and he was coming at the school with them, and uh, it was a, yeah, a fire chat, both of them, and they were explaining to us how they met and how why he invested in the company, why the company chose him. So it was really about yeah, showing us how VC was working at school, basically. So uh, it made me dream a, a lot. And that's how I um, I really started to wish I would work in this industry for long. And so I, I made the last internship of this school. I made it in London in a venture capital firm uh, called GN Capital, based out of London. Uh, and it's a company which is a, it's a venture firm which is quite similar to Ventec. I will tell you a bit about it later. And uh, both of us, we invest in the, the same sectors. I learned a lot uh, during this internship. I, I liked it very much. So it was all positive, but I hated London. <laughs> I didn't want to work there. <laughs> Why did you hate London? They didn't speak French. <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on. Uh, really, you know, uh, first of all, my boyfriend who became my husband was based in Paris. So I was not single in London. Everyone was partying and having drinks. All my friends were, you know, partying with the brokers and I was there, but I couldn't really take advantage of it. <laughs> you know, I was not alone. I was not single. So yeah, it was a bit frustrating. <laughs> I'm really a long-term person, not, not only uh, professionally speaking, of course, venture capital is a very long-term job. 
yeah, I'm, I'm really thinking long term, even on the personal side. And what I didn't like with London is that everything was moving so quickly, you know, people were coming and leaving. It's really a city where many of non-UK people who come to study yeah. or who come to work and then two years after they would come back to their country. And in my view, we were not really building long-term things. I remember we were, of course, living in a co-living and not buying flats yeah. while my friends who stayed in Paris, they were buying, investing in cars, in, in flats, in, in love relationships. While here in London, we were doing very short-term things, you know, partying, which was great, of course, but but also, um, yeah, um, not investing at all in the long-term part. And that, that's what a bit my frustration about London. I can definitely relate to that. I have the same exact view. Whenever you you have to spend time on something that you can see will not be part of your life in five years or 10 years or 15 years, then it's just not worth spending even an hour right now. I could not <laughs> move to another place and build up a personal circle of friends and so on there and then know that I will probably not keep living here or they will be moving somewhere else and that kind of thing. So I can definitely get that, Audrey. 100%. Looking back at it, I mean, I have many friends who stay there and I mean, <laughs> they are married now, they have houses, they have cars, so it worked in the end. But uh, I remember really, you know, we were partying with our bosses who were seven, ten years older than yeah. us and yeah. they were doing the same thing than us, yeah. you know, co-living as well. So I was like, okay, I don't want to have exactly the same life in seven years and without having invested in long-term things. So, I mean, that's the personal choice. I wanted to get back to Paris and also, yeah, get back to my boyfriend. And so at the end of my internship, or, or during this internship, by the way, I met with Ventec team because GN Capital and Ventec co-invested a lot in the past and we are still co-investing a lot with them. And so um, I met with uh, one of my partners now uh, at Ventec, uh, the co-founder of Ventec, Alain. I met with him in London during a board meeting. So I I knew about the team already and during events that I was doing as an intern for the Capital, I also met with uh, the current analyst of Ventec who told me, you know, I, I'm going to leave. So uh, at some point, if you want me to tell about you, I will do. So I asked the end co-founder to discuss with Ventec co-founder and help me to come in, enter. And uh, in the end, it was quite easy because it's all about recommendation in this world, you know. And so uh, as we had uh, common links and, uh, yeah common relationship it was a, an easy one to enter here and uh, the best choice of my life I'm really happy <laughs> that he decided to do that you know it was all my friends were going to consulting firms and uh, yeah probably earn much better than, than I and uh, yeah I really want to do that <laughs> I'm happy that I chose the long-term decision uh, Audrey so now you are partner at Ventec almost 12 years after right 11 and something I think Tell us before we, we talk about more in, in your, of your experience and story and lessons learned and so on. What is Ventec? What should we know about Ventec? So Ventec, we are a, a pan-European early stage venture capital firm. The specificity of Ventec is that we have offices all over Europe, out of Paris, Munich, Berlin, Helsinki. But also we have offices in Asia, out of Shanghai and Hong Kong. So it's really our specificity. We have local teams on the ground that are operating investments, but also helping other investments that are not from the country to come and expand internationally. It's uh, one of the pioneering funds in Europe. We were launched 25 years ago already, and it's dedicated to tech and early stage. We only do seed series A and tech. 
We have made a bit more than 100 investments. We exited more uh, than 50 of them. People don't know Ventec, but I'm sure they know some of our portfolio companies. A few examples. So we've been backing Vestiaire Collective, which is a company in the circular economy, um, three months after the website was launched. And the company is now backed by Tiger and Kering. We've backed Believe Digital, which is one of the leaders in the music industry, a music label. Uh, we were the first financial investor and now the company is uh, listed on Euronext. And we were also one of the first backers of Weddings, which is a consumer electronics company acquired by Nokia. A few examples of what we've been doing here at Ventec. One question on that front. So is Ventec agnostic in terms of verticals? And then a follow-up question to that. What about yourself? Are you focused on specific verticals? Yeah, Ventec is quite diversified in terms of sectoral interest, sectoral expertise. We invest in the tech industry quite deeply, meaning, uh, quite broadly speaking, meaning uh, we do marketplaces, we do e-commerce, we do software, of course, AI, uh, but also hardware, semiconductor, which is um, sometimes a bit uh, more rare for VCs. So we have all this expertise here in the team. I don't do semiconductors, even if I can do both software and digital economy, so um, e-commerce uh, marketplaces. Uh, yes, I do focus on a few sectors, but I really think that my job is about, you know, adapting myself to the new sectors. I try not to stay focusing on these sectors and these sectors have to, you know, move because, uh, again, we are focusing on early stage. So we see the sectoral waves of technological disruptions coming at the early stage phase and then, you know, living their life in the later stage. And then it's not our job anymore to back them. So we have to find another sector to focus on. So currently, I look a lot at the health tech industry, at the HR tech industry, the retail tech industry, and the Web3 world, of course, uh, which is the one which is disrupting everything right now. Just a final circle on what you do and how you think about investing before we go into your journey further. When I look at your portfolio, not Ventex, but your specifically, and I look at the ones that have exited, all of them have a buyer, meaning it's trade sales, it's not IPOs. You know, do you have a natural inclination to that type of business? Why has it ended up uh, developing like that? It's only due to the fact that I'm only 12 years old in the industry and it, it takes maybe a bit longer to find the right window opportunity to get a company to IPO. At Ventec, we made a lot of IPOs, but yeah, it takes time and experience and maybe I, I didn't trust this uh, yet, but no, definitely uh, I invest both in B2C and B2B. I invest in sectors who could enter IPOs. Some of my companies are um, in the same areas or in the same sectors or, uh, with comparables uh, that are listed. So no, I don't see, I hope I will soon come back and tell you about my, my last idea. <laughs> no, that's great, that's great. We'll invite you back for that, then we'll talk about that, juxtaposing it with the trade sales. Now, I just thought it was very interesting because, you know, we tend in VC to, especially, you know, media side tends to overemphasize the IPOs rather than the trade sales when it's actually the bulk of transactions are, are trade sales. So yeah, but super interesting, good to hear. I think, you know, IPO, it's, it's a lot about the market as well. Some cycles, sometimes the window is, is closed. And uh, even if the company could have been a good candidate, I mean, it's not the right moment to. So, yeah, you need time to get to that. And also, you need maybe a specific type of entrepreneurs that either know how to, you know, manage uh, an IPO company, a listed company, or are able to hire 
this type of experience people because it requires kind of different skills, I guess. Yeah. I often say that venture is notorious for having a bunch of not very loyal junior people. <laughs> and I say okay. it kind of as a joke, but I also think it's just normal considering the way our industry is and works because it's very normal to see, you know, analysts, associates, principals jumping across firms to get that promotion or just because opportunities show up. So from that perspective and from my perspective, you have somewhat of an uncommon profile where you go from analyst all the way to partner in the same firm. And my question is very broad, but very simple, which is what allowed that to happen to you to want to stay in the same firm and not jump across firms? Uh, first of all, I think it's not just unusual in the VC industry. When I'm telling my friends that I only had one job in my whole life, they are like, what? But <laughs> I changed already four times or three times. So I That's think it's a generational uh, idea that you have to change quite quickly. It's a good question why I'm still there. I think, first of all, I, I think I am a loyal person. I told it to you already. I was partying like crazy in London and uh, I'm still <laughs> with my, uh, I mean, I'm now buried with my boyfriend. And when I like what I'm doing and when I'm still learning, I mean, I don't see the point of moving. On the second part, I think the organization of Ventec, the culture of Ventec was able to adapt my path, my growth in the firm. So maybe on the two side, to be honest, I never really understood why and how in this long-term industry, analysts and associates were moving so frequently because everything in this job is about building the track records and proving that the choice you've made 10, 15 years ago, five or six better, but the choice you made in the past, they resulted into something positive. And so building this track record has always been my obsession. And I remember even the first year I started at Mentech, I was like, how should I do to start this track record? And my now partners were telling me, you know, first you have to invest, so <laughs> let's wait a bit. So I, you know, I started to look for an investment I could make to start this track record and be sure that as soon as possible, I could demonstrate that later on my trust could be proven as positive. So I think that was the first reason. It's a long-term industry. You can claim that as of today, your company is doing very great, but as soon as there has not been any exit, nothing is proven and it means nothing. So um, we really have to demonstrate that you can go through all the steps of the company. Investment is good, but you also have to pursue, support the company during the years uh, of execution of this company until the exit. And uh, okay, sometimes people will tell you, in my track record, I also uh, added the companies I sourced, but I haven't invested in, or I have invested in, but I haven't exited. Well, it's not really your personal track record and it would be always a bit vague and no one would, would be able to tell, would have you been able to do that uh, without another person taking it from you uh, uh, later on? So yeah, building this track record in the long term was really an obsession and leaving the portfolio companies I, I had invested in to go to another firm was something which was hard for me. So uh, of course I, I had offers. I mean, people came to me to offer me uh, some, some jobs, but I was really thinking about, okay, but this company I have invested in and that are some of them are doing great, some of them are suffering. I mean, I, I need to support them until the end, and at, at least until the end. So that's the first thing. And, and the second thing is really about, uh, yeah, the entire organization, the entire culture. It's a company which is very open-minded in the DNA because I think it comes from the DNA of our uh, co-founder, Alain. He's really humble and we really bet on diversity. 
We are seven partners. It's a very diversified team. We are 40% of women. The age of the partners go from 36 to 60. We have three nationalities in the team. So the team is quite diversified. I mean, very diversified for the sector, quite diversified for the speaking. And uh, that's what I like, but that's also what helped me demonstrate what I, I was capable of. Because from the beginning, they didn't try to put me in a box and tell me, okay, that's how we work. That's what it is about being a VC. From the very beginning, I remember my colleagues telling me, you know, there is no rule in this job. It's, it's a 20 years old job, so we don't have distance yeah. to be able to see what are the rules. And, and anyway, there have been so many different cases. And even when you're looking globally at great uh, venture capitalists, uh, even in the US, they are very different one from the other. Some are very uh, outgoing, some are very uh, shy and secretive. So even in the personalities of the VC, uh, you see that it's very different uh, one from the other. So, I think everyone has to find its own path. And from the beginning, my colleagues helped me to find my own path. So um, telling me there is no box, there is no rule. Uh, I mean, there is a goal, <laughs> which is about making money, investing in the right companies and support yeah. them until the end. And now that's the goal and find a way to reach this goal. And what is really interesting is that I'm not the only one at Ventec who went from analyst to partner. I also have another colleague, Stefan, who is based in Germany in charge of the German team, and he had the same path than me. But we are totally different, and we went totally differently. Um, you know, we, we are working totally differently, and this path went very differently. So I've decided to focus on specific areas that are not at all the one that he's been focusing on. Yeah. So that's also a way to demonstrate that I think it's really the culture of Ventec and this open-mindedness who enabled both of us to take the best of ourselves and leverage our own skills to go in the direction which was the best for us to achieve our goal. That's really interesting because Andreas and I have found ourselves in many rooms, meetings, conversations with GPs, typically founding GPs, managing partners and so on, talking about succession in the firm. That is actually a big struggle. I think it is a struggle for the industry and I think Europe is kind of behind the US in that a lot. And it's interesting to hear that Ventec, which in all honesty, it's not a huge player that everyone knows about in the industry, right? But how Ventec seems to kind of found something there. I don't know what, right? It's not 100% clear, but you have two people at least that are kind of a proof point of that. They've gone from junior ranks to senior ranks. That I find super incredibly interesting. I don't know if you want to comment. I didn't really ask a question. But. Well, no, I'm so happy, David, because it's the second time in the week that I, I hear the same comments. And the first time was actually from LPs, one of our LPs ah, nice. <laughs> who came uh, to our offices uh, on Tuesday and told me, what is your trick? I mean, you are the only one that I know as a, a European VC firm who are able to, you know, let such a succession pass go so smoothly. Because uh, now um, the co-founder of Ventec is actually becoming a senior advisor. So uh, indeed, we are in the middle of the succession and it's going so well because we've been able to grow as young VCs uh, until being partners. And even this LP that I, I won't name, but was telling me, I mean, I saw so many mistakes and so many failures in this area uh, of executing the succession. Please give me your tips. <laughs> it was like, uh, it's, I think it's all about really the DNA of the people. I mean, it's 
letting us the chance when, when I'm looking at what Stefan has been doing to become a partner and what I've been doing, it's really about letting us be ourselves and taking the best of ourselves and having the maturity of our founder and my other colleagues to let us go into that direction instead of telling us that's how you should do what's the best way to work. We have had an interesting talk actually on this show about succession with Oliver Holler from Speed Invest. And there I loved it because he was willing to also talk a bit about how he thinks about Carrie and so on. I'd love to hear you reflect a bit on what, you know, incentive structures has allowed, you know, which role have they played and how have you gone about it? Because this is where, you know, the IF has also sometimes, I even think on this show, said, well, I think that European, this was David from there, I'm sure you know, right? Yeah, um, David Dana. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. He said that, well, we have in Europe too many senior GPs that are not willing to part with Kerry for the upcoming generations and, and also bringing them into the GP. And that just means that they have issues when they need to, you know, transfer the firm and build out for bigger GP teams. I'd love to hear your reflections on this. So first of all, there have never been any frustration during my path from analyst to partner. No frustration about carried or sharing of the management company because everything was quite natural. Both Stefan and I, we grew very naturally into this partnership. It was quite obvious when launching Ventec 5 that I would be nominated as a partner. I mean, it was so obvious. I had started my first deal. I had started being successful, starting my own track record, and I didn't have the time to ask for it. You know, it was so natural that during the roadshow of the Ventec 5 rounds, it came like that. Yeah, of course, uh, they will be the next partner. So everything was quite natural. And then, of course, you could have frustration about Carrie and, and the management company. But here again, it's all about the openness of the partners to be able to bet on diversity. I mean, either you're the only person to get incentivized and then you, you're alone. Or, yeah, you want to build a team and you know that you have to incentivize the, the other people. So the flat partnership that we have built here at Ventec is really interesting. It, it's very diversified and it's really based on a rule, which is that everyone should have the same incentive. And then, of course, you have some people that have been here for a bit more time than others. So, yeah, you have to maybe uh, manage a bit the transition. But it's all about flat, building a flat partnership and all having the same incentive. And then some people live in another country. So, of course, you have to take into consideration that maybe their cost of life is a bit different or that maybe um, their tax is a bit different than in other countries. So, I think the principle is that have a flat partnership and then you go into the specificities of everyone to be sure that everyone is comfortable. Especially when the old partners are so different one from the others, young, uh, more experienced from other countries. So you have to take into account these differences as well to manage the, the organization of the carried and the management company. I am wanting to change topic a bit here. <laughs> okay. I found myself having conversations with many GPs that are trying to build stronger networks with other GPs, of course. Sometimes they have a hard time connecting with the French ecosystem, actually, and specifically the Paris ecosystem. And you're knee-deep inside of it, right? I'd love to ask you, like, kind of a more trends and kind of macro question. Like, 
what is exciting about the French ecosystem, right? And I know you're not only doing French deals, but you are based in Paris, right? So you see a lot of stuff for sure. So I'd love to have your, your take on what excites you there. Well, indeed, we are a pan-European firm with offices all over Europe, but myself, I'm based in Paris and uh, focusing on the French ecosystem. The whole DNA of Ventec is really proximity. So people in Germany take care of German companies. People in the Nordics take care of Nordic companies. In France, we take care of the French companies so that we understand them the best way and we can support them the best way. So, yes, I've been uh, working in this uh, French ecosystem for... 12 years, and I can tell you it changed a lot during the time when I started as an analyst. Yeah, there were no foreign VCs being interested in uh, the French ecosystem. There were very few entrepreneurs. Entrepreneur was not a fashion at all, fashionable things. So uh, young entrepreneurs that were starting in the entrepreneurship uh, journey, they were not the best students, I would say. They were more the people who were looking for their path. <laughs> so it totally changed because now, 12 uh, years after, um, of course, we see that the, the tech ecosystem is so vibrant, so dynamic, that it's quite interesting because we have seen successes. I think uh, we needed time, you know, for showing successes. I mean, 10 years ago, there were three companies uh, uh, that were kind of the role models, like Mythic, the dating industry, acquired by a U.S. company. And yeah, it took a bit of time for, uh, and the Ventrivé, which became VP. Yeah. These were a bit the, uh, 10 years ago, the, you know, the, the examples of the tech winners. And what really went well in the French ecosystem is that these successful entrepreneurs, they have been working a lot to reinvest money, but also experience and advice in the French ecosystem to inspire new potential entrepreneurs that actually launched them. I mean, I remember this initiative, it was 10 years ago. Uh, it was uh, Maxime Montigny, the founder of Mexique, Jean-David, Mr. Grandjean, the, the founder of uh, VP. And the third one was Xavier Niel, the founder of uh, Free. These three successful entrepreneurs, they made a call for startups. So they went physically in a theater for one day and uh, calling for entrepreneurs to pitch them. And they said, I, I we will invest. It was like maybe 10,000 euros. So now it would be nothing. I mean, uh, any business angel could do that. But they were the only business angel in the ecosystem. And so they also use the leverage the media industry to you know highlight this initiative yeah. and so cool. the winners could tweet I am backed by uh, Maxime Montini and so you know they really helped to make it fashionable to become an entrepreneur and they also helped yes to inspire the new generation and I think uh, that's what worked a lot and now of course we have French tech champions uh, much more recent like uh, Believe or Vista Collective and of course they can inspire the next generation but uh, I really think that's how it all started so what about what specificities about the French entrepreneurs I think we are um, very um, product-driven, maybe a bit too much sometimes. <laughs> there are a lot of engin good engineers here in French, which is great. It's an asset, but uh, it also means that sellers are sometimes not at the level. So when I'm comparing with the US, you have great sellers and they can sell any product. Here you have great products, but no customers sometimes. <laughs> so um, we try to take care of that. Yeah, and, and there have been sectors where we have been able to demonstrate that we have strengths, like in the AI industry, for example, or uh, where we, we can show that our 
good engineers were able to rock it in this area and rock it so much that even large groups in the US, Facebook and Google decided to set up their own research centers here in Paris to take, take advantage of these great engineers. I have to ask a question that David did. He only used it as the intro, to, <laughs> but he didn't ask the question. 100% for sure, we have been hearing that the French ecosystem is very difficult to penetrate for someone who's not in, in that ecosystem. Why do you think that is? And yeah, give, give us your reflections. You mean as entrepreneurs or as VCs? As VCs. Well, I think you have to be on the ground. I mean, it's really our motto at Ventex. So first of all, uh, there have been many VCs who've been trying to do that from far, and uh, it's a local ecosystem. Uh, it requires proximity. There are many local uh, VCs here. So I think if you're not on the ground, it's really hard, at least at early stage, it's really hard to build a relationship and find the, the next leaders. It's quite centralized, so I would say um, it's the opposite than Germany. In Germany, uh, it's hard because you don't know where to start your journey. While being in Paris, at least you should have a quite a good overview. So I don't know how to answer this question, but I'm open to discuss with any foreign VCs if they want to start uh, their journey here. That's just interesting. Uh, I think, you know, I'm, I don't have the answer either, right? Why is it that people are just kind of having a difficult time Entering because, you know, the proximity point, that applies everywhere, right? So it can't be that. Have you ever thought, you know, when you go to Paris-based events versus uh, Berlin or something, that there is a different vibe or there's a culture difference? Or is it related to how government acts or how LPs acts? I, I, I don't know. Well, maybe it's a very regulated country. Maybe that could explain a bit of the thing. So we have specificities which are due to, you know, uh, the regulations, specificities in the VC industry, uh, specificities in the different sectors. So maybe there is a part of that. But I mean, we are quite an international place now. I mean, it was not the case 10 years ago, but we are quite a, an international ecosystem. I mean, in the events, we speak in English. I mean, uh, I mean, it's not as I remember going to the German event. It was in German. I don't speak German. <laughs> so I was like, okay, thank you for inviting me. And also, I'm, I'm quite surprised by what you're saying, because it's also one specificity of the French ecosystem is the fundraiser. We have these brokers that are uh, intermediating the deals, even at early stage, which is quite rare in the UK or in Germany. And they would, you know, introduce uh, very early stage startups to VCs. It's quite intriguing because it's only something in, in France, no, nowhere else. And this type of guys should help, you know, any VC to also um, yeah, open up. yeah get linked to the startup. So it should help. I don't know. I, I don't have the answer to your question. Well, we have a bunch of people listening in. So if you think that we're onto something, shoot us an email, shoot us a message on LinkedIn, <laughs> share your stories. We'll share it with Audrey. We'll ha mm -hmm. we'll, we're happy to have a follow-up discussion on this, obviously, and try <laughs> to understand the nitty-gritty details. Anyway, Audrey, we're running out of time and we always end with the quickfire round. The quickfire round is when we'll ask you quick answer questions, 30 to 60 seconds answers each. Are you ready? I am. So the first question is quite straightforward. What are the areas, technologies, or sectors that excite you the most that most people around you aren't really that excited about? Data health tech, because people are very afraid about the health tech industry because it's very regulated, at least here in France. So some people are afraid about this over-regulation. 
I think that it will be totally disrupted in the next 10 years. This industry is not at the right level currently, and we need to put more money into it to make it evolve. Completely agree with you there, Audrey. Second question, what are your top tips for emerging VCs across Europe who are now fundraising? Find your differentiation. By the way, I am in a way uh, an emerging VC because I launched a fund within Ventec, which is called Alliance for Impact, dedicated to the impact industry. So it's a new brand, a new fund, yeah. which is launching for the first time with a dedicated team. So I am into it. And I think finding your positioning, having something really special, reinventing the game, I would say, and even some rules of the game is really the main point. Third and final question of the quickfire is what has been the most counterintuitive thing you've learned in going from analyst to partner? It's that there is no right or wrong and that experience is not enough and it's not all in this market. I'm listening a lot to your podcast and Many times I can hear people saying, oh, there is nothing else than experience, so you have to wait. Uh, I totally disagree. I totally disagree. I think that, you know, we are in a sector which is being disrupted every time. And so you need to be a bit naive as well to be able to be bold enough to take a few bets. And uh, that's why I love my partnership because it's so diversified. You have people that are very experienced and you also have people with a new eye who can say, yeah, okay, maybe it has been tried before and not successfully exited or not successfully um, achieved. But now is a new period, now is a new momentum, and it changes totally the way it could reach the goal. So maybe one specific example, I've been investing in a company in the art industry, Singular Arts, marketplace for art, putting into relationship independent artists with collectors all over the world, company present in 45 countries. Singular when I've been presenting Singular in the investment committee at Ventec, you know, they were like, okay, we will listen to their pitch, but come on, Audrey, you know, it's been uh, 25 years that I've been working in the venture and I've seen so many of these types of art companies trying to disrupt because yes, it's a huge market offline and yes, it's totally under digitized. So okay, there should be something, but I mean, none of them were successful. So, you know, let's stop trying. And in the end, I mean, the, the founders convinced uh, the, the whole partnership and uh, yeah, it's a successful company. So you, you have to, to make the bets. You also have to get a bit of naive eyes, I would say. I love that answer, Audrey. Uh, yes, experience can make us myopic, right? <laughs> so that's very interesting. Audrey, thanks so much for joining us. This was awesome. I'm super happy that we got to know you and Ventec. Thank you very much for inviting me. Thank you for listening to this episode of The European VC, the go-to podcast for everything European VC. If you love our show, share it with your friends and join us in the EU VC community syndicates at theeuropeanvc.com. Want to be on top of who the best up-and-coming emerging VCs in Europe are and maybe even invest with them? Register for our newsletter at theemergingvc.substack.com and be the first to get in the know.